0: Welcome to Fandom Power. Hey, welcome to Fandom Power. And on this show, we've got a little something special for you. This is going to be our... uh multi-part series as we uh, take a look at The Mandalorian. So it's uh, Fandom Power presents The Fandalorian. And tonight I'm joined here in studio by my recording partner, producer, editor, Andy. Hello. And I'm joined by my very dear friend all the way out in Halifax, Nova Scotia, Hank McLaughlin. Howdy, folks. So, yeah, I mean, uh, we recorded some stuff for uh, Fandom Power. A couple of weeks ago over a couple sessions and we really did a a bit of a nose dive into star wars to kind of uh capture the essence of the whole thing and i think one thing that really kind of came out of that was uh all of us on the panel really had an affection for uh what they're doing on disney plus with the mandalorian and That really kind of sparked this idea of, you know, hey, maybe we can do a little riff on that and we can do the Fandalorian as a weekly uh, reaction show to uh, season two coming out here October 30th. So that's uh, next Friday, depending on as the time of this recording. But um, you had a great idea, Hank. You kind of reached out and said, listen, is there any chance you'd want to do a sort of a a preview episode and we could go back and kind of recap. Yeah, we can recap season one and kind of riff on that a little bit and talk about it. Yeah, it sort of
1: just, it made sense in my head because I was like, you know, we, we did touch on it uh, a fair bit and, and that was the general consensus among everyone and that, that was kind of an eclectic panel uh, that everybody was loving it and I thought what a good way to get a, like a feel for what we're going to do because uh, we're going to have very little time to prepare.
0: Yeah, exactly. And
1: at the same time, there's so much to talk about in a full season that... yeah. Uh, If, if we start referencing things from future episodes, you know, as, as they air, so, you know, we can sort of get a lot of stuff out of the way and then concentrate
0: on the new stuff. Yeah, exactly. And I think by this point, if you, uh, as a viewer or listener, if you, if you have not seen season one of the Mandalorian by now, I cannot (laughs) stress enough what you are missing. You're
1: depriving Uh, yourself. I I don't think you need to be a Star Wars fan.
0: No, no, really don't. No, I would agree with you wholeheartedly on that. But um, yeah, we got a lot of material to get through tonight, so uh, why don't we get right to it and let's just uh, let's get some general thoughts on the uh, on the table just right off the hop. What did we think of the season, sort of holistically as a whole?
1: Man, I mean, I described it to somebody who again who'd never seen it, and I was trying to get to watch it. A friend of mine, I was like, it's like if Sergio Leone yeah. <laughs> directed Star Wars.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah.
1: It's like it feels like a Clint Eastwood movie. Um, it 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 feels like Lone Wolf and Cub, like the way the way that that Lucas borrowed from the uh, the forbidden. Uh, oh my goodness, I <laughs> <a gap> there. <laughs> there. It'll come to you. Yeah. So the the way that Lucas borrowed from the the Japanese uh, course films it. and stuff. The, you know so it was very reminiscent of that with the Lone Wolf and Cub comics yeah, and the, yeah, the, yeah, those yeah. Japanese movies, uh, Shogun Assassin and stuff. And then, I have to say that five seconds into it, yep. it felt like Star
0: Wars. Oh, I couldn't agree with you more on that point. Like the even that weird, and to me, it's not weird anymore. But that first time you heard that, doo-doo-doo-doo, doo-doo-doo-doo, and I'm like, oh yeah, I I dig that. And I was right there with it, and uh, you know, the him standing there at the end of. What looked like a dock walking across that bleak ice field, and then stepping into that uh, that cantina, and and just the the sound of the the irising door, the whoosh, and then him in the door, and everyone looking, and I'm like, "Yep, it's Star Wars." It's one of the
1: things that ripped me out of the prequels a little bit, and I, you know, as subs- as older now, I appreciate them a lot more. Yeah, uh, but it was how clean everything was, and I understand it was the height of the Republic and all this good stuff, but if anything things are more beat up now. Like we're yeah, after the war, yeah, yeah. right? And you can really see that. You get to see things like people are trepidatious about droids.
0: Because oh, yeah, the Clone yeah, of Wars.
1: course, of course. People are, are trepidatious of dealing with the Empire or the, the New Republic because there's just this massive conflict that they've just gone through. And it, yeah. it really shows on the skin of the series.
0: Yeah, I mean, you're talking about... A war. I mean, really, if we go all the way back to the Clone War, I mean, the Clone War ends, and there really isn't any. There's no break in between, and we go right into the Galactic Civil War with the Rebellion and the Empire. That's right. You yeah. Know? So you're talking what uh, almost a, a decade continuously of war. Absolutely. Yeah. And then
1: just the. Uh, you know the the different factions and things vying for it, and then what you get to see in the Clone Wars is that this this faction that we've only heard about yeah. through the you know regular media. You get to see the Mandalorians.
0: Yeah, exactly. Which, yeah,
1: which is like super exciting because like we have to we have to go back a little bit and and just sort of give kudos to Boba Fett, which is the reason that we're in love with this.
2: Of in course, the first it is. Place.
1: I've had people on social media say, no, it's nothing like Boba Fett. You don't have to like Boba Fett to like the Mandalorian, Well, that's true. But it's the reason that When we saw that first image on that poster. Yep. It was the reason we went, oh, wow.
0: Yeah. You You know know, what I mean? I do. I do. I'm going to throw a a little sideball here. I don't know if you remember back when Lucasfilm was pitching. uh, And it might have, I don't know if it was Celebration or if it was one of the bigger conventions where they were pitching. At the same time, they had a big cardboard uh, standee up where it showed uh, the, the title card for the Clone Wars and then right underneath that there was an image of Boba Fett's helmet and it was yeah we're announcing the Clone Wars and we're announcing our live action Boba Fett project that never went anywhere never went anywhere so to me on some level the Mandalorian is what spun out of that
1: yeah I I think so it feels I think it I think you said it before that feels like a continuation of what Dave Filoni was doing. Oh, with it sure does. Animated series. It
0: sure does.
1: Uh, you can really feel like I, I was looking through, uh, you know, doing my research and I found that John, John Favreau wrote the the bulk of the episodes. Yeah. But they, I mean, he must've sat with Filoni forever because it has his pacing. Absolutely. It's got his timing. Yeah. Like that. When I first heard that the first episode was going to be like, I don't know, 22 minutes or something like that. I was sure. like, oh, well, it's actually, I guess, it's thirty-nine minutes. Sorry, but I, I thought, oh man, I, I was, I wanted an hour-long show, and I wasn't, you know, I thought, like, how much can you pull off? But it has the cartoon pacing.
0: It really does. It lets
1: you tell a big story in a short period. Short
0: amount of time, of time yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's,
1: it's like a comic book, like that. It's a unique sort of uh, narrative, and they, they, they employ it
0: very well. And of course, you know, as a serialized show. Uh, you know, you've got that continuity. Even though you have, you know, multiple directors, you you have a very tight cast, a core cast of characters, uh, and your your narrative. You don't have to tell it all in inside of those thirty nine minutes because you know that we're going to get to spend more time with these characters. And, and at least for season one, it was uh, eight eight episodes, all roughly the same runtime. They they, they were all in that you know thirty uh, 35 to 45 minute kind of episodes. Yeah. 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 yeah.
1: And the thing about it is that like, and and this is the thing that Filoni has done so well. And even back to when he was uh, working on the, the last airbender cartoon for uh, Nickelodeon or whatever it was, uh, is character development and making you really, really give a crap about these characters in, in, and cartoons and, and this style of narrative that you're, Interacting with these characters and snippets.
0: Yeah, like, yeah. You know, yeah. You,
1: there's no like 15 minute dialogue where they're explaining their entire path. You know, so <laughs> yeah. you're you're building little layers of characters, and he's he's friggin' fantastic at it. Yes. And and apparently John Favreau is fantastic at it.
0: I think on some level that those two guys have a uh, a very. Not only do they have an excellent professional relationship, I really think that, you know, they're they're probably good buds, right? Like they must be talking about this stuff outside of work because I get a
1: Lennon and McCartney vibe. Yeah, like, yeah, you I really I mean? do. Too. Like there's a synergy there.
0: Like on that um the follow-up uh, Disney show, the gallery uh, making of, I really got that impression, you know, when uh you know they were talking about making the show and and they, I can't remember if it was John Favreau or Filoni or both of them in concert sort of referenced sort of their work on the Clone Wars and John Favreau's interest or his uh, role at the time playing a Mandalorian and, and how that really brought him, he he was so into that character that he just wanted to know more and, you know, give me more and give me more. And and I think, you know, Filoni really was instrumental in, in sort of like, yeah, I'll give you everything you want and hey... What if I uh, pitch, you know, for uh, Get You on a Show? <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: he does seem like, of all the the producers, writers, directors uh, that are involved, he seems like the big picture guy there
2: now.
0: I think so. I mean, like he's made the... Yeah, uh, like, I mean, yeah, I, you can't tell me that he's not... A fan in the same way that you or oh. I or any other
2: absolutely
1: no, I yeah. watch him talk in those gallery episodes about like how he feels about it, yeah, 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 it's like listening to like it's the way I feel about it, but I can't put it into words sometimes.
0: He speaks, and especially his
1: the... his little spiel on how uh, on the the duel the face duel the Fates, duel the Fates. yeah, about. yeah. It, it moved because I was like, yes, this guy gets Star Wars. Oh my God, this guy
0: gets it. There's a reverence there that is uh, very, you know, like we just did an episode last night where we talked. We did a generic episode on fandom, and and mm-hmm. I, I made the joke about you know you know the nerds we've won and and uh, you know, but I was like. All these other people that say they're not into stuff, like, don't kid yourself. Like, if you can put on the if you can put on the jersey of your favorite sports team and like hell scream yeah. and yell at your TV, hell like, yeah, Face that's fingers. that's your fandom, right? And we can have this conversation as a couple of nerds who who have embraced this right from the beginning. But here's a guy who speaks with a reverence that you know the the casual viewer probably can't relate to <laughs> no which
1: is what i was saying during the other two episodes is it's so nice to talk to somebody
0: yeah who yeah, feels yeah.
1: this way about it and who knows as much as i do about it yeah and you know what i mean like i do you just can't just like talk to a guy at work you know no, you're <laughs> right. gonna, there's, yeah. there's a lot of deer in the headlights yeah yeah for sure there is
2: Joe yeah, public yeah. on the street
0: yeah, yeah. yeah. Like if you went back and told, like if you were talking to somebody about it and you he goes, Hey, remember that episode of the clone wars when, uh, the, when the uh, death watch were, uh, were overthrowing the government. And did you catch it? The, did you catch that one soldier whose helmet was a throwback and an homage to Robotech? Like <laughs> not many people are going to pick up on that. What do you mean? Yeah. The guy with the four head lasers on his helmet. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. So.
1: Yeah, exactly. Reverend that's. Yeah. Reverence. That's, that's what that is. That's the kind of thing. Yeah.
0: So let's uh let's dive into here and let's uh let's start breaking down the episodes and uh talk about sort of what we liked and uh how we feel about them. Uh we're gonna go all the way back to uh November twelfth, twenty nineteen, chapter one, The Mandalorian, written by Jon Favreau, directed by Dave Filoni. It's five years after the fall of the Empire, and the unnamed Mandalorian bounty hunter uh shows up to uh, get his uh, latest bounty from uh, character Grief Karga in the Bounty Hunters Guild and takes an under-the-table job to go off-world where he meets uh, the client. And from there, uh, we see our un- as-of-yet unnamed bounty hunter friend go off on this uh, mission to bring back the uh, the asset only to discover in one of the biggest Television uh, reveals that, in fact, it is a uh, child of Yoda's species. So, what a way to open with a bang.
1: I had sort of read something along those lines, but I yeah. i heard that they were toying with maybe re- revealing the race, like the name of the race and stuff. I'd read that somewhere. But when I saw it, yeah, I, and I was not expecting it. No, me neither. I, uh, I can't even explain the It joy. catches
2: you off guard
1: and it's the puppet is
2: perfect
1: yeah 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 for sure and it the is. fact that it's a puppet uh uh man, very much it
0: a uh, really like looking and knowing what and i don't really know but i mean i know from what i've seen something that you know in the world of animatronics there have been way more complex animatronic creatures in film and television before this one but yes. there is something about this one whether because it's meant to be a child. I don't know. But it really just <laughs> grabs you by the heart and just squeezes.
1: Oh, yeah. It yeah, it definitely yeah. does. And, you know, the other thing was that immediately they started hitting me with deep cuts. And yeah. it felt like, oh, this is for me as like a, as a, a super crazy hardcore fan. Yeah. You know, to, to see the bounty he collects reference Life Day. Yeah, to see the Razor Crest, and to see Boba Fett's shock, you know, rifle from the Holiday Special, the Holiday Special, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, like, and a lot of deep cuts, references to the Clone Wars, references to the Battle of Endor, having been five years ago, and things of that nature were just like, I'm, I'm, I'm all in. I'm like, you got me.
0: I just, I really appreciated seeing uh, Carl Weathers. You know, having not seen him like really since happy Gilmore and thought, Oh man, like he's still got it. You know, He like, had,
1: uh, yeah. if you've ever watched Arrested Development,
0: Well see. And I'm, I'm way out of touch
1: fantastic with that. in Arrested Development. He plays, he plays himself. Oh wow. He's an, he's an acting <laughs> coach. And his whole thing is he goes to, he goes to auditions and screenings and things and, and just to eat the free food from, oh. the, from the, the, it's, it's amazing.
0: Yeah. Even yeah, if you yeah, just
1: yeah. Google some of the clips of him from that show, it's, yeah and i've always loved i always thought he was like a really good actor compared to sylvester Stallone in the yeah yeah for sure he is and I loved him in the Predator the first predator movie yeah and uh so yeah no i was I was knocked out, and then he was amazing
0: yeah he like really he, he really that. does
1: a good job as well, you know like he he pulls it off he's got this uh his delivery is fantastic.
0: I think it would have made a little bit more sense for me. And this isn't a big criticism, but we don't find out until like the final episode when Moff Gideon is, is calling him out and he, and he refers to him as a former magistrate. I'm like, Oh, that's why he's got such a presence. You know, I would yeah. have liked to have known that not that it really matters, but it's like knowing that at the end, it's like, Oh, that's why. Okay. Now I get it. But you talk yeah. about, Talk about deep cuts. Here's one for you. Let's let's uh let's really dive in on this for a second. When Mando goes into the uh, client's office to take the job and Dr. Pershing comes out from the uh the side room there and there's a little bit of a of a showdown there. Uh did you catch on uh, Pershing's uniform that uh he's wearing the same patch that the uh, clones wore on their uniforms in Attack of the Clones in the cloning center?
1: Really, yeah, like the Camino patch, yeah, I did not the I good can... nice yeah. notice, sir,
0: yeah, yeah, so I mean, thinking mm-hmm. about thinking from that perspective and 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 we know that Camino was shut down, the emperor shut it down right after the uh after the war was over, but uh if there's some arm of that project still you know still going to me it's very suggestive that you know this is why
2: they want that bounty so bad
0: yeah for sure so do they do they want the child does that play into the emperor's plan to to come back that we see later on in the sequel trilogy
1: that certainly had me bubbling like even not noticing that tidbit uh which is super reinforcing a lot of the thoughts i had was was that yes like that with the exception of the movies who, and there were some main points that were about clones. And certainly there was references yeah. in the first three movies that made our mouths water, but yeah, yeah. Like, cloning was such a big part. It was. Yeah. Of the star Wars saga. Yeah.
0: Yeah. 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 Uh,
1: that it seemed sort of empirical to me that that might be a clone of Yoda, not necessarily, you know, because of how rare the species is and, and, and how little George Lucas actually mandates that you can, or had mandated that you could even give information out about him, like it was like a I gotta tell you no fly zone, if you will, for
0: up uh, until uh, four seconds ago when you said it, it had never even dawned on me that it might be a clone of Yoda.
1: Yeah, they, I mean that. There's a few things like Yoda has one ear that turns down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Quite a bit. This thing has the same ear that turns down, but not always. Right. <laughs> Just a little little things um his facial express I know I know it's the same species but his facial expressions
0: yeah yeah
1: yeah uh, especially when he's using the force
0: yeah when he gets yeah, all the, calm uh, and stuff. The, like the um, uplifted arm and and the closing of the eyes is very reminiscent just, of Yoda you know
1: and it it's probably the tongue at the heartstrings but it it, yeah. it 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 leads me to believe that there's more and and knowing that how layered the Clone Wars was, yeah. And how like a lot of stuff they peeled it back, and it was what we were hoping for, but so much more. So that oh, for it, sure it is. So I definitely was thinking uh, a Clone a, a lot. Uh, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. What did you think of the uh, of the client of uh, Werner Herzog and and his performance?
1: I he's amazing in everything he does. He's terrifying. I don't yeah. I don't ever want to meet him. He's yeah, terrifying. Yeah. His delivery is impeccable, and I thought that was you know, the German accent and we associate it like, you know, at least in North America, we associate it with the Nazi villains from, you know, like the Indiana Jones movies. And then all the sort of war movies from, you know, the black and white kind of yep. World War II movies. And so George Lucas had said that, you know, there's a lot of World War II allegory to Star Wars, especially when he was writing it. So yeah, for sure. the German officer, yeah. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> it was pretty yeah. fantastic. Yeah, and, I have to agree uh, with you on that. I really like the scenes and I don't even know if it was this episode, but his performance when he's, when he's talking about all the good things that the empire is like judged by any right, metric. right, 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 right. Is it a better world now that the empire is gone? And it's like, he's not telling, he's not lying.
0: No, right? it's and on some level. So it's his, true.
1: His presence, his arrogance, his, he, he, like he knows he's better than, you know, like, yeah. And he knows that he's still, you know, biding his time, hoping that the good fight will keep on fighting. Cause that. That's the funny thing about Star Wars. As kids, we were just like, but the the Empire are the, are the good guys politically.
0: Yeah, of course they are. Right? No, like, no villain thinks they, they're the know, villain. they just,
1: that's the police. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah. be good, Billy. Listen to the police. Yeah. They'll drive you home after, you, you know, like, and so.
0: Every villain uh, always thinks that they're in the right and everybody else is weird.
1: And I, I actually have an idea for one of the things I'm working on, and that's. Basically, the title of the episode would be uh, Rebel Alliance or Terrorist Organization. Yeah, really? one man's ceiling is another man's floor.
0: Oh, of course it is.
1: And so that's an interesting thought to explore. But uh, Werner Herzog, man, uh, fantastic, sk- freaky villain, steps up to him, and, you know, there's like, there's no fear, <laughs> no. like, you know, and uh, he commands a scene. Man, does he command it! scene. I
0: have to agree with you, and then on some, like... Skipping ahead a little bit towards the end of the that first season, though, it's like, oh, they just they just did the prequel. They just prequel villained him by killing yeah, yeah, by killing yeah. him. You have this like really compelling, re- like, oh, I want to see more of this guy, and then nope, nope, he's done.
1: <laughs> but they immediately, it was like they did the like the Indiana Jones uh, idol swap because they yeah, immediately yeah, yeah. give us, well, here's uh, the bigger Asking bad. You. And, yeah. and so. You know, I'm super excited to see him develop too. So it was like,
0: yeah, Gian, Giancarlo Esposito, who might as well be Mr. Bad Guy, with given his last few uh, credits, mm-hmm. certainly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh,
1: and and he wore it well too. Uh, we're getting a little off. I know. Episode. We're getting out <laughs> of ourselves. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Um,
0: so one one thing that happened in this episode that I uh, I I was like, oh, that's cool, and then later went on to realize that oh, they're really. I don't know if they're doing this intentionally, but episode one starts their tradition of this series where every episode, Mando gets shot <laughs> at least once. Yes. If not yes. multiple times per episode, and he lives to tell the tale.
1: And for me, that was almost, that felt like Die Hard for me. Yes. Uh, or Han Solo, the way that they're very, it's a dude, it's, he's an every guy, and he's freaking lucky that he's got some kick-ass armor sometimes. Yeah. And even in the way he fist fights, even the way like his combat is like staccato. It's like the new Batman fighting. Yeah. 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 For sure. It's, um, it's awkward and it's brutal and it, it really, it works. He's, he's trying his heart out.
0: And, that uh, that turns the old trope of stormtroopers can't shoot kind of on its ear because in this series, well, it turns out they actually can to some degree.
1: uh, It's true. Um, those, Beat up stormtrooper yeah. uniforms, yeah, yeah, and that man, there were some of my favorite thing. Like that, see, like see them yellowed, yeah. See, like knowing, like having tried to build a couple of them, and having sure. studied action figures like crazy, and photographs and stuff, and seeing the the pieces missing, and noting right. and going, oh, that guy's like, he's missing a shoulder paladin oh, Yeah, that guy's, yeah, yeah. that guy's, you know, his belt is missing a couple of pouches, and the yellowing, the weathering, and the you know these guys have been wearing that armor for money now for five years.
0: It's interesting that you you talk about the feeling like it feels like Star Wars, and specifically where armor is concerned. I love that Mando's armor when we first meet him is a hodgepodge. That it's not all, yeah, some of it's it's Beskar, but it's been painted, and and he's he's piecemealed in other things. Like he's got the Shore Trooper. Uh, gloves and the one shin is a is a, a stormtrooper shin yeah uh, just... he has a,
1: a short trooper pauldron too it's a it's yeah yeah an, that's right an that's officer right. it's got the blue stripe at the top yeah and i i also think that the, and you'll notice his palette is vaguely boba fett yeah and i think that's to bridge uh, the gap a little like you know to make it taste better in your mouth right away yeah yeah yeah, yeah for sure for sure uh, before they go with the like sort of the bright silver unpainted armor
0: well, and if that didn't do it for you, let's let's talk a little bit here about the Enclave. Because at one point, Mando goes underground where he goes to meet the Armorer. And then there's this whole, I guess in a comic book, you'd call it a splash page, where he's walking down the hallway. And I've had this discussion with other fans, and it's like, all of the other Mandalorians that are in the Enclave, do they not represent Every other version of Boba Fett we've ever seen, like the Kenner paint scheme, the more washed out prototype, all white guy, like every, them. Yeah, every every paint scheme that a Boba Fett action figure has ever worn, it looked like it was in that scene of him walking down the hallway to the armor.
1: That scene especially was like, so they start to allude to, especially in the, the scene with Werner Herzog, there was a the purge, like something horrible has been happened.
0: Yeah, yeah. So yeah.
1: it's nice to, to return the Beskar to the original owner and, and all this stuff. So something tragic has happened to Mandalore since we left them sort of at yeah. the end of Rebels.
0: And oddly enough, that final season of Clone Wars that's aired earlier this year, even though it ties up the story elements of our, our main cast of Clone Wars, it doesn't really answer the question of what happened in the siege of mandalore we don't really know 100 percent what happened
1: that's right and so that's like they're very astute to to make that a plot point and yeah. and to let it ride and then to see oh, there you know there's some rules now too with the with the don't take the helmet off thing
0: yeah that's a new one that
1: didn't exist before so this no. is a new uh mandalorian cult this is something that's you know, to see it not tied to a race, but now tied to. Well, and
0: this is it. I know when our other the armor, our other realistically. episode.
1: So then do Boba Fett and Jango Fett then in, in the new paradigm become Mandalorian because they're. Yeah, you know, I, they, I don't know. They're not uh, by birth, right? Right.
0: And so this is where I get confused because being a fan of the old EU and the, yes. and but still a fan of the new canon and trying to keep track of who's, yes. who's who in the zoo. If I can, if I can say it that way, it's like. Am I remembering this correctly? That Mandalorian at one time it was a race. It wasn't a. It wasn't a religion or a philosophy. They were, they were people who lived on Mandalore.
1: That's right. And then the Clone Wars touched upon that. The, there was internal wars where yeah, sects had broke off and, and, and you know the Concord Dawn sect. Before there was some great cataclysm that destroyed right. Concord Dawn. And, yes. And it similarly, was some sort of civil war. But and and then you see them like factioning up during the Clone Wars. Like Maul is able to take over a huge faction of them relatively easily. Yes. And uh, the other, uh, a little again, Maul. The uh, the armor has horns on her helmet.
0: Yeah, I noticed that too. And uh, yeah. are we thinking that that's a throwback?
1: <laughs> he left some influence there. You know, I th- I think that there's. I don't think Filoni and, and Favreau are going to leave any sweater threads unpulled.
0: Yeah, I think you're right on that. that- even if they don't unravel the whole thing, they're gonna they're gonna tug in every direction, I think.
1: And to see them, you know, like still having this reverence for the armor and yeah. to, to, to the actual building, the crafting of the armor, that scene, especially complete with his like sort of PTSD flashbacks of the, yes. the Clone Wars. Which we, we don't find out as the Clone Wars until Not until on, much but, later, but... but to see him have these these flashbacks to his childhood and and I guess also the idea that like he's a youngling, like that he was a child
0: yeah as well so
1: that it brings the fact that it it gives gravitas the reason he's taking care of the child
0: well i mean even he goes so far uh as to make that overt gesture about giving some of the beskar over to support the foundlings and and you know it's like oh the foundlings what what does that mean like so have they really resorted to like our our species is so on the brink that we've taken to just taking in anybody now and folding them into our culture
1: right and and so if we go shoot forward a little bit to the episode where we we do find out that it's the uh, super battle droid that's yeah to kill him yeah uh that that's during the clone wars yeah assumedly. and that certainly looked like uh, that well, was death watch
0: you can't tell me that that wasn't the death watch that that right? rolled in and, and did so that
1: this the idea of foundlings becoming mandalorian charges and then yeah. therefore mandalorian has been it dates to the clone wars sure it does so i'm very interested to see where they go with this take don't take your helmet off yeah because it seems like a way uh it seems like his kryptonite
0: yeah so yeah,
1: yeah. and i think it might be a recurring theme of of like you know successive attempts to get the helmet off in various you know not yeah. necessarily by a super villain but by uh you know successive events that you know so it's it it does seem like his kryptonite
0: yeah in a way it does in a way doesn't it yeah at the same time though and and, I mean we can talk about this more as we go on but like I had this discussion with my wife and she was really really disappointed to learn that that the Mandalorian was actually three actors and not just Pedro (laughs) Pascal yeah but at the same time I mean how else do you do you do it I mean you you've got to have that level of I mean, his his skill in combat is not is not necessarily
2: you know no. like
0: your average you know uh, thespian is is pulling off that kind of stuff. So that, that's right. But what I really 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 appreciate about this character is how emotive a guy in a blank mask can really be. It's pretty fantastic, and I think that ties back into what you said about Filoni and his background coming from animation, where everything is is voice driven. You know what I mean? Like you've got, you've got these guys in a booth doing their ADR, you know, without even being able to see what it is that they're, they're playing off of. So it has to come from somewhere. So I can, you know, having Dave Filoni direct that first episode, maybe, and this is me just speculating, I think, but on some level it helps set the tone for Pedro, for Pedro Pascal's performance throughout the rest of the series. And that was his first foyer into live action, if I'm correct. Filoni's. Yeah. As far as I know it is, yeah. I, I don't yeah. know. I haven't looked to see if he's done other things.
1: I think that they talked about that in the, the gallery episodes. Yeah. Which, I mean, holy cow. <laughs> you know, if that's the first thing you touch, oh, my God, I can't wait for the future.
0: So we know the child is the big reveal on this episode, but before we can get to the child, we have to meet a couple more characters. The first one is, I don't I don't want to say liberated, but the no longer indentured Ugnaught. Who we Amazing. find out later on uh, goes by the name of Queel.
1: Another deep cut for me. Like, yeah, uh, just step back briefly for a second. I loved the cantina scenes. Sure, so there's a couple of yep. cantina scenes yep. because was- they were showing me the aliens. Like, I loved the I loved the Ugnot as being a character. Like, you know, just the innocuous background character, and yes. suddenly he's a main character, thinking, feeling. You know, and we get a little story about how he was subjugated by the Empire and you can you can go like maybe that was one of the guys on Bespin, maybe that was the guy chucked yeah, yeah, yeah. out of the head, right? Yeah. And uh like when the the Nick and the Kla-2. Uh, yeah, yeah. and stuff like that. So I I re- really super happy to see all the alien species. But then Nick Nolte. <laughs> yeah. Again, uh, not the physical actor playing the role, so again, voice work coming into play. But Nick Nolte kicks the crap out of that. If, uh, I'm, not mis- role.
0: if I'm not mistaken, the physical embodiment of Queel, I believe, is a woman.
1: Yeah, yeah, I can't recall the actress's name. Yeah, but you are correct. Yeah, it's just a, a rubber suit. It's uh, low tech. You know what I mean? Right. Like, it's very well done, but uh, portrayed
2: um, by Misty Rosas.
0: Well, there nice. you go, Misty Rosas.
1: Nice, excellent. Very good. Uh, and just the, like the mask looks like Nick Nolte if Nick Nolte yeah. or not. Oh, yeah. Yes. And or had delivery. half of his face. I have to admit off. when I heard he was cast, I was a little worried after his freak out. during oh, this yeah. Filming in the Hulk. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was a little yeah. worried, <laughs> but fantastic.
0: So then we have, you know, we're leading up to the final confrontation. And of course, Mando's got to uh, make his way into the stronghold, which is held by bandits, you know, to get to the target. And he's met by our, I guess our last character introduction uh, for this episode and and arguably, you know, kind of a scene stealer in the form of the bounty hunter droid IG 11. Amazing. Yeah. And I mean, you know, what a way to take a prop because let's face it in empire, when you saw IG 88, he was just, he was, he was was a stick man. (laughs) He Mm -hmm. didn't, he stood there and he did nothing.
1: His head is actually a prop from the, one of the drink machines in the cantina right scene. Right off from the a can, New Hope.
0: yes, of course. Yeah, I remember that too. Yeah,
1: So they just repainted the actual prop. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Town and built a whole robot around it. So this uh, is- And having read the comics and some of the EU, like the IG units were involved. You get to see them in Clone Wars a yeah. little bit. So it was nice to have another one that was sentient well, even and in, named. Um- and-
0: I know that some of that stuff carries over to some of the stuff that I do, like in the uh, the tabletop, the miniature game in X Wing. It's, uh, you know, IG88, his ship, IG2000 is a, is a playable ship, and then there are there are four variations of IG88, A, B, C, or D, right? Oh wow! As, yeah, yeah. Each of them have a slightly different uh, twist on their programming, but yeah. So I mean, he's not a singular droid per se, but uh, nice. The whole idea of having this, take it on the nose, it's, you know, it is a nod to IG-88, and I mean, Filoni has said that, and so has Favreau, but this is just one more reason why I kind of I kinda lean into the idea that Mandalorian is what the Boba Fett series was supposed to be. Like, I feel like that's one of the elements that was already decided before they started shooting that they were going to include this, so you know imagine the story if it was it wasn't you know mando and ig11 no in fact it's boba fett and ig88 that are doing yeah this.
1: or especially considering like you know having sat down at a table with a few guys and tried to hack out big uh world building story ideas you know sometimes the littlest threads become the main focus so especially yeah. with the the talk of boba fett appearing in season two yeah uh, you know they could have really just had those uh water cooler conversations and done things backwards really like had you know what if uh boba fett's main adversary was a guy with a yoda clone or something, you know and then <laughs> yeah and really. like, wait that's a way better story or or you know so it could be just turned on its head
0: it's entirely and possible and certainly well i would expect that somewhere down the road here in the next season that we'll get some more light shed on that i don't know if we'll get the full like yeah, this is where it's going, but I I definitely think that again some of those uh those sweater threads are going to get pulled just a little bit more.
1: No, absolutely, and I'm I'm drooling.
0: And then you know, Mando goes and puts a blaster bolt through his head, and so ends the episode with Mando kind of staring there at the child and not really sure what he's going to do with it. And the
1: E.T. moment. Yeah,
0: exactly. Like oh the E.T. Boy.
1: moment. Underst- like again, those guys understand film. The finger and to finger match and that. It was such an E.T. moment for me. Yeah. Which is all about actually bonding. Yeah. You know what I mean? So that's like three seconds. Yep. And those characters bond. Boom. Yep. So yeah, I no, that was powerful for me.
0: And then they kind of, they roll the end credits and I know it's not a big, I stayed right to the bitter end because that's, you know, I, I prefer to do that. Yeah. I'm at the point in my life where I actually pay attention to credits. Yes. And you get this um, barrage of artwork, which is totally reminiscent of it reminds me of when I was a kid, and at one year for Christmas I got the original Star Wars portfolio, which was a a collection of of glossy photo paper prints of some Macquarie art. Oh yeah, and you get this like, oh here's some here's some concept art uh, for the episode that you just watched, and I found that to be very I just thought it was really cool.
1: No, absolutely. I've always been a fan of that, but a big fan of Doug Chang who did all the prequels and a yes. lot of the sequel work. And uh, no, I've always loved that stuff. That's uh, one of my favorite things about rebels is that the whole thing is in a painterly Ralph McQuarrie style yeah, in that style. And so, uh, yeah, it makes sense that those artists are the ones drawing those storyboards. Yep. Yeah. It's really good. And some of them are like, they vary. So some of the character development is slightly different a different look to a character and yeah. a few of them, things of like that.
0: So fast forward a week later, uh, November 15th, 2019, and we have chapter two, and that is The Child, also written by John Favreau, this time around directed by Rick Famuyiwa. And this one starts out rather interestingly where Mando is on his way back to the ship and he gets ambushed by a, a group of uh, Trandoshans.
1: Amazing. Yeah. I remember you and I had a conversation after the uh, trailer about whether they were some sort of other kind of Trandoshan because they seem to have more fingers than the boss. <laughs> yeah. uh, I remember I was like pausing and you couldn't, it was blurry. Like yeah. I, you know, I think they were from the entertainment weekly. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Portal shoots or something. Yes. <laughs> I, I poured over that crap. But, uh, that was an awesome scene to see him. Like I, 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 again, I love his ragtag fighting style. I love Me too. the fact that he's vulnerable. I love the fact that I don't know this character yet. And I, I, I can legitimately worry.
0: You go back uh, to that. I feel like uh, maybe if it
1: was Boba Fett, he's got this already, this sort of invulnerable, yeah, yeah, iconic yeah. thing going on already. So this this guy lets that disconnection lets him be vulnerable.
0: That to me, that character is so shrouded in in like mystery that the legend of the character is almost bigger than the character itself. Yes. You know, and I think the the Mandalorian is a is a much more grounded variation of that. And you're gonna see him; he's gonna earn everything that he gets right in front of you.
1: Yeah, and it's and, and his combat style is, is that. Yeah, it, it reminds me a lot of the Daredevil uh, again. Netflix fighting,
0: like just like very, getting shot in every episode. Yeah, he takes a few on the nose in this in this fight, and there's this you know, he's not infallible and he's very much like, oh, this, this the stakes are real for him. It's a live or, live or die situation.
1: Right. And you get the sense that this is every day for him too. Yeah. Yeah. You really this, do. And you know, this is how he chooses to live his life and it's every day is this.
0: Yeah. And I mean, he gets through that and I mean, talk about everyday occurrences. I'm sure he wasn't expecting this one, something that probably doesn't happen every day, but he rolls up on the razor crest and it is being ransacked by jawas amazing (laughs)
1: amazing
0: and i have all of this imagery of a new hope in my head when the droids are you know in the belly of the Sandcrawler. it's full of junk and then all of that you know reputation that came with them as being filthy dirty you know the eu stuff scavengers yeah so the the eu stuff that really played them up as being these uh Scavenging, I don't want to say thieves, but you know, um, purveyors of uh, technology that they That's are. Right. Uh, and then to see that realized was just, it was a bit of a thrill. That was a thrill. I love for to me, see them yeah. as
1: an off world species, you know? Yeah. Uh, you get the impression that they're only a, a, on Tatooine, and so it, that was fantastic. they yeah, and it turns out that no, they're not. Different they're eyes, the, you know, yeah, the different yeah, yeah, version they do. of the Jawa. Uh,
0: but here's so here's one, that, and this is a deep cut for the EU fans that might be listening. Is you know I think about the sandcrawler, and in the old EU, they always talked about the sandcrawlers being throwaway remnants of old mining uh, operations. Right, And then to see the the cockpit or the cabin of this thing, and it's like sized for a Jawa. And I'm Amazing. like, oh, I yeah. I was totally not. A, I was expecting yeah. <laughs> like a kid standing on the seat, holding on to the wheel. That's what I thought I was going to get. And then it's like, oh, nope, I'm wrong.
1: That was my first favorite. Uh, and there have been a few and it's been organic. I don't like comedy when it's forced.
0: Yeah. yeah, I yeah.
1: found that a lot about the sequel trilogy. A lot oh, of yeah, stuff. sure, sure. But when the Jawa looks over at him when he's in the cockpit with him and just. Suga, <laughs> you just you, <laughs> okay. like they're all, you know, they they hit the bump and he smashes his head off the thing, and they all giggle like right. that. That little scene there, amazing.
0: So the Razor Crest gets uh, ransacked and is essentially left unusable, and now he doesn't know what to do. And Queel, who has lived there for long enough, comes up with a plan. He's like, "Well, you know, you can, you can barter." you know something back to get your parts back where mando is just like I can just go in there and kill everything and take whatever I <laughs> yeah, want yeah of course you know cooler heads prevail and that that isn't actually a good idea so they come up with the idea that you know we'll we'll barter for it and and queel as the mediator establishes that there is a a, a thing that they want It turns out it's a the egg of a uh, a mudhorn and if you don't know what a mudhorn is think Wooly Rhino. <laughs> I guess that's Amazing the best beast, way to put it. Yeah, yeah Wooly Rhino. So Mandalore, Mandal- Mandalore, look at me. Get ahead of myself. <laughs> he Oops. could be. Yeah, really. Mando faces be. off the Mudhorn and gets his butt handed to him. You know, he gets trounced and we think that this is it for him. And lo and behold, we get our next giant reveal. And oh, the child is using the force.
1: Yeah, more than just force sensitive. Yeah, yeah. yeah. More that you know, like he's lifting an X-wing there. Yeah, uh, and almost like instinctual. Like very you know, much like so. Somebody taught Yoda to do that.
0: Yeah, this kid just this, did it.
1: Like, and I got the impression, and I don't know, is it maybe it's after that scene because he's trying when he's trying to heal him.
0: That's later on. Yeah, it is. He later. tries. He tries a couple of times, but they keep kind of like tapping his hand.
1: Yeah. 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 Yeah.
0: Like yeah. He's like, oh
1: And so I thought that was like oh is he oh is he and yeah. then so when the when the thing just floats there.
0: Yeah, exactly. And and you've got this like I mean Mando is clearly on his last legs. His oh. uh, his chest plate is decimated. It it's clearly no longer offering any form of protection. He's lost his blaster, he's down to just a vibro blade. And, and,
1: and that's there's such a great scene where he's like He's committed is that the thing we were talking about before the show where you just like, okay, <laughs> I, I'm <laughs> resigned. That's it. And yeah. so he stands his ground and it's, he's so vulnerable. He's yeah. feeble in that moment. Yeah, exactly. But he's not, he's not backing down. He's a Mandalorian. Yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. You don't see a hero knocked into the mud like that and just dripping with dirt. So an amazing choice visually. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. Uh, you know, to have the hero just, just ruined in that scene.
0: yeah. I agree with you. And then so, you know, to have this like this big reveal moment and then have the child fall unconscious really leans into that idea that he is doing it without any training and he is spontaneously just kind of making it happen, right? Like it's a almost like a force of will kind of thing for him, you know?
1: And it does, it rhymes with the scene again of the X-Wing because like even though Yoda does that and it's, it's innocuous compared to what we see them do in the Clone Wars as Jedi. Yes, He's genuinely tired after.
0: Yeah, he is. And
1: whether it's exasperation with Luke or physically tired, yeah, I think you start to see that the Force, using the Force, can take a toll on you.
0: Yeah, 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 for sure it can. So, you know, getting your, uh, getting your bacon saved by your uh, fledgling little buddy there, and then huh. uh, all that for a big hairy egg. Turns out the Jawas just wanted some breakfast.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. They just shove it right in, hoods and all.
0: <laughs> Suga! Even in that, I thought that was cool. I mean, th- there's those things as a kid where you watch Star Wars for the first time and you're like, oh, what what does a Tusken Raider look like underneath his wraps? And what does a yes. J- what does a Jawa look like if you pull their hood down? And And even though they didn't really explore that, the fact that they dove right into that egg and just started slopping it into their faces, I'm like, well, there really is something in there. <laughs> yeah, no, defi- definitely.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. They have access to mouths in there. So, yeah. Yeah.
0: I mean, uh, such a small, in the framework of the storytelling, it's such a small uh, window. I mean, arguably it's a little bit longer because there's the whole rebuilding process of Queel and Mando putting the the ship back together. But, you know, such a short amount of uh, of storytelling with a lot of of substance.
1: And it's that uh, animated style pacing.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: That lets you tell big stories in short periods of time. Yeah. Uh, I can't put my finger on it exactly like I couldn't teach a course in it, but I know when I see it. it yeah, is, yeah, It yeah. definitely has it.
0: So that pretty much brings us to the end of uh, episode two. Yeah, so the Mando and Quill repair the ship, and Mando is able to leave uh, along with the child. Oh, yes, and then we get the first incident of uh, Baby Yoda playing with the, the gear shift.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's a yeah. great scene. He's still a child
0: after all. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. So we didn't touch upon just in the first episode, like they they tell you how old he is.
0: Well, and doesn't that throw you off? Is your you, why? You, part of that whole reveal, why it's so impactful, is like, oh, he's fifty years old. Okay, right. so you're what you're you're tracking an old man.
1: This is it, and right. then you see that it's him, and then my brain jumped to starting to figure out when when he was born like 15 years before the clone Wars, Yeah. Then.
0: Where does that fit in, in the bigger picture? And,
1: and so, yeah, he's well before the Camino cloning, you know, that, that we, that we're familiar with. Yeah. 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 Uh, and so that, you know, there's a lot of speculation that, that starts there.
2: But was he well before that? Because in episode two there, where Obi-Wan goes and checks, they've already been in production for quite a while. That's true.
0: I At don't know if it's of, really, uh, uh, no, that, uh, of uh, Diaz. Uh, that, Diaz. Diaz. that is very true. Yeah.
1: That is very true. And they are referred to in Attack of the Clones as Camino Cloners. Yeah, yeah, so exactly. they're known for this.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, Dexter. They're Cloners. Yeah. Uh, I'm very interested to see how this whole thing plays out, and I'm still kind of reeling from you, suggesting that this might actually be a clone of Yoda. You know, I said it before in our, in our previous uh, bigger uh, overview episode of Star Wars, that, you know, that... It's one of the things that has remained a, a a secret, a stalwart secret of Star Wars, right from the beginning, is that we don't mention Yoda's species, and we don't we don't make references to Yoda outside That's of right. outside of Yaddle, I guess, who is just a a nice little addition to to say that there are more of them, but right.
2: at the same time, making the child a clone kind of cleans up that whole bit where Yoda would have strayed from the Force and did the same thing Anakin did. So if it's just a clone. Yoda never got down with Yaddle, and he's still
0: oh, on right, the side right. of Jedi. But I never put that together, that it could be offspring of the two of them. I I never... I guess maybe I'm just so... I batted it around. I take it on the nose that that's, it is what it is.
2: But by doing that, you're saying that Yoda betrayed the Jedi code the same way Anakin did. Like, he knew love, he knew... It's entirely possible,
1: That's yeah, that's a good point. It is I always thought possible. that with with the idea of him being a clone of Yoda lets you tell the stories about Yoda when he's younger yeah. without ruining what's already for it.
0: Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. There is that too, right? It'll be interesting to see how how they choose to handle this because again, he's fifty years old and he's still you know, he uh, we what would we equate him to a, a a one-year-old, a one-year-old human child. Yeah,
1: certainly. Maybe, he doesn't, yeah. he doesn't talk yet. He, yeah, he's not. Yeah, yeah. So what kids talk around, what, 18 months or so. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah.
0: You know, exactly.
1: he's, he's in that range. Yeah. Like a one-year-old. And we know from, uh, you know, that for 800 years have I taught Jedi. So we yeah, know that yeah, like yeah. Yoda's a thousand or so. Yeah. Uh, when we encounter him. Right. So we know that. Yeah. So we can sort of like do a little like linear deconstruction. Yeah. And try to figure that out.
0: Any other thoughts on, uh, episode two?
1: Oh, I was are they're, they're so good. They get like, they, they just get better and better. They do. You know? Yeah.
0: I found that uh, the show by and large, it didn't really have, I think maybe of the, of the eight episodes, there might've been one where I was like, Oh, this is kind of filler. I never was left with that, that feeling of like, no, you know, like there, there wasn't purpose to drive the narrative forward.
1: No. Yeah. I, yeah. I can't remember if it's episode three but when we get there there's a scene there's a scene in one of them where he's dealing with a barkeep lady oh. and forgive me i don't know the name of the actress but it just doesn't it just seemed like they like they had to they paid this woman and they couldn't get out of it it just <laughs> something about her acting put me i was just like oh my goodness like maybe. It's really deadpan or i apologize maybe <laughs> it's a great show
0: yeah it is it really is great This episode of Fandom Power is brought to you in part by CollectorsPlatoon.ca. CollectorsPlatoon.ca, organizers of the annual Toronto Collectors Platoon Toy Show. Check out CollectorsPlatoon.ca, the Canadian home of Ian's display accessories, specializing in action figure stands for figures of all scales. Visit CollectorsPlatoon.ca today.
1: You're listening to Fandom Power.
0: Episode three, uh, or chapter three, The Sin, written by John Favreau, directed by Deborah Chow, her first episode, and I think she got, uh, yeah, she got two in season one, but uh, this is her first one, so Mandalore, uh, Mandalore, I've got to stop saying that, Mando. wow, Mando, I should just Mando. use his real name, but we haven't got there yet, we haven't been revealed yet. Mando comes back to Navarro and uh, goes to collect the bounty on the child, so we get to meet the uh, the client one more time,
1: yeah, and at this point i I wasn't convinced that well although it was and I remember talking with my wife about this like although baby yoda was great and the chemistry was amazing, I wasn't convinced yet that this wasn't it for that, yeah, and I thought okay, well, now we're seeing it just like he he can cut and run and we can move on with a different story, I mean yeah. this is the end of that arc, and he's you know he's gonna turn him in like he certainly you know
0: i this is that uh, whole like. It's the uh oh, how can I relate this in a star okay, in Star Wars terms, this is that that moment where Han Solo puts the money on the Millennium Falcon and flies away. Is he gonna come back or not? Good like, call. Like that's really what we're talking about here. It's the like moral crossroads. Yeah, absolutely. When he goes to grief cargan he's like, What are they gonna do with it? And he's like, You know better than to ask that. You know, no questions. That's that's the way, right? Yeah, And I don't mean that in the, this is the way way, but you know, the guild rules say, Hey, well, no questions. Right. Yeah. So that leads into arguably, uh, oh, I should say before we get to that part, Mando has to go back to the, uh, to the enclave because he gets paid and he gets paid quite, quite a handily sum actually of, uh, of Beskar. A control. Yes, a control of Beskar from the uh,
1: Empire strikes back the in the background on
0: Bespin <laughs> from the vintage ice cream maker like <laughs> an ice cream maker yeah. Yeah, so back into the underground to the enclave and we finally we get some more uh, time with the armor and we we get a little bit more exposition sort of on uh, on Mando's lineage per se I guess when she says, you know, did you Was your signet revealed to you, and or he said he says something about the mud horn, and she suggests, well, that's your signet, and he's like, I didn't earn it, Uh, and then you have this whole piece where he explains why, you know, I was I was helped by my enemy, but my enemy didn't know they were my enemy, which I found to be like way more philosophical than what I was expecting.
2: Yeah. No.
1: Definitely.
0: Yeah. 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 Uh, but then we get to see the, the forging process and that's really cool. We get to see the Beskar melted down and the whole new uh, Kyrus and, uh, well, really, virtually his entire suit is replaced in this episode, I think. Yeah, uh, I think yeah.
1: there's one thigh pauldron that remains. Yeah,
0: yeah, it's that off-colored <laughs> kind of reddish-brown, which I like because it just it keeps the character, that that tie, like that's how we were introduced to him and it keeps it that realism Star Wars realism, (laughs) but it keeps that, uh, that connective tissue there.
2: But at the same time, moving him forward, showing you he is growing.
0: Yeah. 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 Yeah.
2: Not just on the outside, but no, you're right. Reflective of what he's going through on the inside. Right. Even his armor is an ever evolving sort of
1: process.
0: Yeah. 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 And then he, he makes the, he makes the judgment call. He just decides like, nope, I'm, uh, I'm not satisfied with this, you know, like the, the idea of having that discussion with both the client and grief cargo, but what's going to happen. And they both tell them the same thing. Hey, you shouldn't ask by now. It's like, okay, I I can't let this happen. Whatever's going to happen, you know? And I think this is where I didn't pick up on it right away. Maybe because I was just the first watch through was just kind of superficially taking it in and just kind of Mm -hmm. enjoying the action beats and not really looking deeply at what was going on. But You know, is there, there's some kind of kinship there between Mando and the child in the sense that, well, now the child is a foundling just like him. And as a foundling, you know, especially having that, that, like you say, that PTSD flashback sequence where he keeps seeing that scene over and over again with his parents and then getting rescued by the Death Watch. You know, he feel, I think there's some, something compelling him there to, to intervene, you know, based on his own, his own childhood.
1: Yeah, no, definitely he. It lends a lot of weight to to like his past. Lends weight to the fact that he's connecting with this with this child, and the he can't give himself up.
0: Yeah,
2: you yeah, know? yeah.
1: And so you you really do see this uh, this character have heart and and honor. You know, like the way even in the in the first episode where he doesn't he's he's honoring the bounty and not the that you could obviously make more money off the bounty because the guy's got more money to set him free he's more concerned with honor yeah and inevitably what's right you know he's he's very much a good guy in a in a sort of anti-hero skin
0: in a morally gray world
1: yeah good way yeah
0: absolutely so that leads us to a little bit of a of a conflict with the client and we get another one of those deep cuts but we get another nod back to uh to the to the classic trilogy, actually, for the second time, when uh, Mando goes up to the door and uh, he bangs on the door, and the uh, yeah, the little greeter, the uh, little eyeball droid that we all remember from Jabba's palace pops out, and and very much like I I question was that just a straight up recycling of the the line from Return of the Jedi because the voice the it's tone is so good it's so close like is that the actual line from Jedi. Are you yeah, yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah, I got the impression that that might be on every door in the universe, and that's just the second time we've seen it. Yeah, so that's it, the go-to it, it's funny that you answering say Answering machine, like, throughout yeah, yeah. the galaxy. That's Here's my standard a commercial somewhere lock. for that. Yeah,
0: it's like, this is the doorbell. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: that's bog-standard doorbell for Yeah, for Star Wars sure, galaxy.
0: for sure. And of course, you know, w- with it being the doorbell, that uh, apparently, you know, it's a good distraction to get yourself into a place, just rip it out of the wall. If you rip it out of the wall, then the doors will open and people will come to look at what's going on, and then you can uh, fight your way in. (laughs) Amazing. So then we get back to uh, a little bit more action with the stormtroopers, who may or may not be able to shoot. And of course, Mando gets shot again. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah,
1: he takes it on the chin.
2: Well, you think though, if these guys are the ones left over at the end, they're the ones that could shoot.
0: Yeah, for sure they could.
2: They made it. Yeah,
1: they definitely survived whatever. Yeah, yeah, whatever the end of the war for sure
0: yeah and i mean uh what was the line in the first episode about going in or no that's later on how many troopers are there? four four but that's yeah that's another scene
1: i think in this uh, episode they did one of the troopers says to him we have you four to one and he says i like those odds. yeah
0: that's right that's right yeah. oh I, I think that was in the first episode
1: well it might have been in the first yeah. episode yeah, yeah. they pull guns on them. they that's do
0: right. yeah because pershing comes out from the side he surprises him and he thinks he's getting jumped so he draws mando actually draws first that's right. And then this, the troopers are like, hey, put your weapon down. Like, we got you four to one. I like that. Yeah. 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 So makes <clears throat> relatively short work and we get to see some more of Mando's skills, both with his uh, his uh, zip cord and his blaster skills, which are pretty good. You know, I, I wouldn't say that he's the uh, ultimate marksman, but he really comes across as somebody who's competent with a firearm in in close spaces. Very effective. Yeah. 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 And then we get to see the probe droid. Yes, but is it like a smaller like a smaller version it wasn't like the same I don't remember it being no, the same it's, size. but it's
1: definitely reminiscent of the of the death star probe droid in the Oh yeah, yeah, yes.
0: Yeah, 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 sort of the um the interrogator droid. The interrogator droid. The in little the floating have ways of making ball. You talk. The floating ball with the the syringe on <laughs> it. That's a, right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that, that
1: the one. Syringe. You know, it was like a medical facility they, you know, they this guy seems genuinely concerned with the health and well-being of the creature. Yeah,
0: yeah, 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 yeah. Child. Yeah, and oddly enough, Mando lets him live.
1: And, and that's sort of almost a throwback to Rogue One, too, where we see that quite often the, the science divisions of the Empire are just yeah. citizens that have been, you know, forced. Well, look this. at,
0: I mean, Galen Erso, right? He's right, just exactly. A, just so a that's, that,
1: that, that's kind of what I felt there,
0: yeah. you know? Yeah, like yeah,
1: yeah. He had the child, you know, that's not what we discussed when Werner Herzog's character tells him, like, you could bring him back dead if you want.
0: Yeah, if you haven't read it, I'm, and you probably have, Hank, as the uh, Rogue One catalyst, the the little prequel story to Rogue mm-hmm. One. Yes. Talks about a younger Galen Erso about how he's working on, like, clean energy technology, and that may be why he got recruited by the Empire. Certainly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we try to escape with the child, and again, it's still a bit of a fight to get out and we finally get to this point where mando gets surrounded and uh he gets to use one of his uh his new toys for the first time in the form of the little birds nice yeah and so uh little birds go off and and four stormtroopers drop without ever getting a shot off and that's that's pretty I, cool I almost
1: scene. felt like just for a second and i loved it i loved the scene but where she said, you know, use them sparingly. Oh, I know. And then the first, the
0: first thought, time he uses them, I'm going to go all out. <laughs> yeah. Are
1: You're you using them on four stormtroopers, bro. Like I could take four stormtroopers. <laughs> yeah, man. But yeah. No, it's still a very powerful.
0: Two sport. episodes ago, you were talking about how you like those odds and here you are on your knees. <laughs> what are you, yeah, get up. Exactly, get up. Yeah. You. What are you doing? <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, that's, and that's again, very Clint Eastwood thing to do is to, is to talk good smack.
0: Oh, for sure.
1: And, you know, have to really bring it on when the, when the, when the chips are on the table. Yeah.
2: Just one more point about, uh, the little birds. Yeah. Yeah. Is that influenced like directly through Favreau and his ties to Iron Man?
0: You know, I I hadn't really thought of it at the time, but as soon as you say that I'm instantly drawn back to that. And I know exactly the scene you're talking about too. Went, yeah, no uh, good
1: call. Like that's really observant, yeah. Iron I Man mean, in the Middle
2: yeah. East and the the tanks. That, uh, yeah.
1: that was Fabro's baby as well. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Absolutely. It reminded me of the uh Robotech missiles
0: flying <laughs> yeah. off. Any anime missiles for that matter. For sure, yeah. <laughs> Full missile cell, <salvo>. though. Yes. <laughs> but of course Mando uh being who he is, and now he's committed to this course of action is blissfully unaware that the word has gone out to the guild that he is now persona non grata. And so suddenly all the tracking fobs in possession of all the bounty hunters on Navarro start going off. And we sense that there's going to be a turning here.
2: He has committed the sin.
0: He has committed the sin. And so there's this wonderful sequence of Mando trying to get out of Navarro and how he's just going to walk out and he's going to go to a ship and leave. And, there's a, you know, basically a peace offering there to to let this resolve, you know, uh, peacefully or it can be resolved with violence. And clearly we know how that went. <laughs>
2: mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> but I guess the big, uh, again, if we use the comic book analogy, the big splash page is that the Enclave, after what uh, you get this impression that they've been you know they've been underground like metaphorically and literally for a long time because they they talk about only going up you know to the street level one at a time and and only for brief periods of time and that man right. this he's this outlier where he openly deals with the the remnant of the empire and they don't like that They've made that quite clear because he has certainly
1: that. and she. Uh, the armor even tells like you know you know if you get this armor, people are going to notice. Yeah, the, the, uh, other members of this guild are going to get jealous.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: And then he has that with the heavy battle
0: uh, uh, with, armor guy with
1: the conflict with the
0: so the the uh, the Mandalorian heavy infantry, which is his action figure name. Yes, um, but is Paz Vizla. Right, is Visla. Yeah, yeah, so voiced by John Favreau. Yes, uh, and is a nod to his character from the Clone Wars. I think he was in the armor pre-Visla. That's right. Yeah, yeah. So we can assume or we can infer that Paz Visla is an, an ancestor or relative to Pre-Visla.
1: And, and certainly, he's he has the blue sort of color scheme of Death Watch.
0: Yeah, on some level, I guess he does too, doesn't he? Yeah. So they have a little difference of opinion in the armory there that ends, you know, with the uh, the armor's wisdom of, you know, well this is the way. And have you ever removed your helmet? And no. And so well, that's that's the way. And you get this. I get the feeling anyway that you know he was begrudgingly putting his weapon down. I I don't. If the armor hadn't have been there, I think it would have been a very different outcome.
1: No, it's true. And he, I also got the impression that like, uh, Vizla was a. A pure Mandalorian, at least to, to, in, in his own eyes. Like like you said, he was an outlier. Yeah. And therefore it was like, you know, had to prove himself extra.
0: Yeah. On some level for sure. So we have this um, wonderful scene uh, in Navarro in the town where he's trying to get to the razor crest and it's, it's quite literally like run the gauntlet. Oh yeah. (laughs) So I mean, you've got bounty hunters on both sides of the streets, lining everyone the doors, in the sector on the roof. Yeah, really. And you've got this, you know, grief carga, you know, at the end of the street, basically saying, "Hey, man, you can hand it over and be on your way, or, you know, you can have it the other way and do well, it." That scene
1: way. was also the best, uh, sort of reminiscent of the best western shootouts, like the way that there were yes. guys in the rafters, of yeah, buildings yeah, exactly, and very, very behind barrels and. Yeah, different greebles and things. Like, yeah, it felt very western. I shit. just
0: yeah, and I I really dug that aspect of the of the entire series. Really, like anytime there was a callback to that those western films, I always found them to be very entertaining.
1: Um, oh yeah, some some of my favorite stuff are the spaghetti westerns.
0: But I don't know if it if it was as exciting as again like so far we you know three episodes in and you know you you get this sort of there's the big reveal at the end and this. The, the culmination of this episode is the the Enclave has basically come out from underground. And, and again, in a big moment of, you know, we're going to save your bacon, much like the child did in the episode before, the Enclave comes to his rescue and we get to see this. It's really, I guess I would call it a childhood fantasy to see oh, all these Mandalorians in live action. In live action. Yeah. I mean, on the wing, jetpacks firing. Guys are are two fist and blasters, and it just it's this crazy chaotic ballet of death. And it's and, and despite beautiful. The, to
1: watch their conflict. There's there's solidarity. Like yeah. at the end of the day, yeah, they're yeah. all Mandalorian.
0: Yeah. And you know, in the fray, Mando is able to make it through. He has this little moment with the. uh And I love again going back to the droid thing. He hops into that uh that speeder truck. I guess you could call it. or Yeah. Or yeah, yeah, yeah. Cart. He's like drive and the droid's like beep beep boop boop and he's like no drive now and points a blaster at him and the droid's like okay and away they go <laughs> yeah 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 yeah, yes. yeah. Uh,
1: and doesn't Karga get shot in that fray I don't Isn't remember it, that's if he takes the round. that's where he it takes it that saves him
0: That's at the very end because in the in the yeah. gunfight he uses the the fray to sneak on board the uh, the Razor That's guns. right my yeah. bad you're right So he, he gets on the razor crest and Mando essentially goes to, uh, to take off and you get that sense very much like in the, uh, in, uh, the sin or sorry, the child where Mando is, he has this sort of preternatural awareness of the Trandoshans. Mm -hmm. He has this awareness and he stops and he turns to face grief Karga, who's standing there and Pretty cool advancement in uh in carbon freezing technology. Now it's uh it's not limited to just big industrial facilities. We can do it it's right really on yeah. a we can do can it on, on a small ship. freighter now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so uh, you know, vent some uh, some carbon freeze and uh you know, there's that uh, I guess the classic uh Western duel where it's like single shots, you know. And, yeah, as you say, he uh, takes it in the chest only to uh, find out that he gets saved by the uh, ingot of Beskar that he would had in his inside pocket.
1: Yeah, it's sort of so. like foreshadowing.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lives yeah. to uh, to come back another day in another way. Yeah. So that was uh, Chapter 3. Yeah. Yeah. So what we got now? Chapter 4 here. We're now coming into the end of November. It's hard to believe that it's been... Almost a full, uh, full year since the the season one debuted.
1: No, absolutely. And around this time in the show, there was a lot of hype going on about the rise of Skywalker coming out.
0: Yeah, I guess that's true, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it was. They were like sort of coming up simultaneously. They had that big toy release that Triple Force Friday? Oh, they released yeah, yeah. The Fallen Order game and that's all right. The, they had three pronged attack, sort of. Right. Uh, and so there was a lot of hype, and and this was just <laughs> such high quality. I I, w- I was just enamored by. It. Like I was, I was trying not to have such a high expectation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I was. I didn't want to be hurt again, Disney. And uh, man, I was super, 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 super satisfied.
0: And yeah. Just,
1: and the fact that the second episode didn't drop the ball. Yeah. And, and yeah, there was like I, I found myself like, I can't wait a week. <laughs> Are you crazy? No, I can't
2: no. Wait a
0: week. I was, you know, I think we're spoiled by this whole binge culture. So going no, going back and watching a show getting doled out uh, on a weekly schedule is a little bit frustrating for me now. But at the same time, it's pretty rewarding, though. You know, come that that Friday, and it's like, oh, what's the new one? Yeah, it's be a little like? uh,
1: emotional intelligence, like deferring your gratification a little bit. It's like when I was watching Lost, which is one of my favorite shows yes. until the uh, the end of the. The, how badly it ended i could do a whole show on that yeah. <laughs> but the fact that i waited a week between episodes with so much going on let me really chew on theories let me really think deeply about it in a way that i could never have done if i just
0: watched episode no, no. after
1: episode after episode so i kind of respect the fact like that i can let things um marinate especially if they're high quality
0: yeah and i mean the show has been nothing but quality oh yeah so we get to uh chapter four sanctuary and This is the one that really uh, was very much like uh, the Kurosawa uh, style. Very much uh, kind of a Seven Samurai vibe on this one.
1: Certainly, yeah. The the main plot points.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, So landing on the forest planet of Sorgan with the realization that the entire Bounty Hunters Guild is going to be on his butt. He needs a place to shore up for a while and think about what his next move is going to be. And uh, we're introduced to our next recurring uh, cast member or character in the form of uh, former Rebel Shock Trooper Kara Dune. Amazing. Yeah, and Kara uh, Dune played by Gina Carano, former uh, mixed martial artist, and uh, she was in, uh, what was she in, Deadpool. Yes. Deadpool, yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, my, my wife loves it because for her, and especially also Brianna of Tarth, she really appreciates that women that look like women, yeah, and not Barbies, yes, are beautiful and sexy and strong. Oh, and my god, yeah, amazingly well written characters, yeah. So, that's uh, Lauren loves uh, this character.
0: So, Sanctuary, it's another uh, another Favreau written episode, and this one is uh, done by little Richie Cunningham. I mean, uh Bryce Bryce <laughs> Dallas Howard.
1: It's Opie's
0: daughter. <laughs> Opie Taylor. Opie Cunningham. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah, so here we are hanging out on the planet Sorgan and uh Mandalorian has a little moment, a little tender moment where you wonder is he going to settle down? I don't know about yeah. you. I don't know about you, but I really got that impression that, you know, there was an opportunity there for him to, you know, hang up the uh hang up the beskar as it were and uh, bury that and have he whole... breaks a woman's heart in this yeah 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 i like the uh i like the fact that the parallels between this and the whole seven samurai you know right down to the the opening sequence where the villagers and the droids are are working in what <laughs> really looks like rice paddies definitely you know definitely. There, there and the are... color palette they, yeah they,
1: that's another thing about the show each episode has a sort of a color palette and in this one you really get to see it's the uh, turquoises and blues. yeah yeah, yeah. and it's in the, the frogs it's in their clothing it's in the, the whatever they're they're harvesting they use it to dye their clothes it's like space
0: shrimp or something you really it's get a really organic stuff, sort yeah. of feel
1: for it and uh, can we just say that the the scene where uh where Cara Dune and him first interact when they have that little fist fight which is more of just like a a wrestling match back and forth and they're so evenly matched. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and that, that, that scene where they pull their guns on one another and it's, it reminded me of, uh, and I, I, this is also, I'm sort of speculating in the future. There might be something romantic going to go on here because it reminded me of that scene from Spider-Man, the Tobey Maguire one where, Oh yeah. Um, well that one was a kiss, but Mando's upside down and she's yeah. You know know what I mean? It gave me that. And then the cut to the child with the bowl of soup watching
2: (laughs) them.
0: (laughs)
1: <laughs> fantastic timing and the pacing.
2: Like, yeah, what a great,
1: what a great director.
0: Totally, totally good.
2: Planting the seeds for a family unit later on.
0: Well, this is it too. And it may be, I maybe, I mentioned this before, but, it, you know, going back to that, you know, Lone Wolf and Cub and or, uh, you know, the analogy of, you know, uh, Mando and, and Son, you know, and Sanford and Son? No, we got Mando and Son. Mando this and is, Son. This is the episode where I really get that first impression of like, oh yeah, this is where they this is how it could be. Like they could just run around and, and have adventure of the week for however many seasons. And it would be cool because they're on the run. And, you know, as long as they're one step ahead of whoever's coming after them, this could work as a series, you know,
1: it def- definitely. That's, that's sort of where it took hold for me. And, and yeah. I realized that that was their, their plan. This wasn't just a short arc with a cool character. Yeah. yeah, that yeah. We could enjoy. Um, and it also like, like it allowed for deeper connections. Like, so yep. that, you know, he, he really has the child's interest at heart. He wants to leave the child behind here. Yeah. He, like, thinks this is the safest option. He knows that what he does for a living, and especially now that he doesn't know what he's doing for a living, yeah, yeah, uh, is going to put the child in constant danger. Of, and she, Kara yeah. uh, uh, Dune has the line, she's like, you could stay here and you could just marry that widow. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It looks like a pretty cool life. Yeah. You take your helmet off and throw it away.
0: So that that planet, I have to assume on some level, you know, there, there's more stories to be told on that planet because how does a uh, how does a gang of thugs come into possession of a of an ATSD chicken walker?
1: Heck yeah, uh, and uh, the, a, a gang of Klaatu thugs.
0: Yeah, yeah, so yeah. A
1: heavy reference to the Return of the Jedi and Jabba's henchmen. Yeah, exactly. If exactly. you will. Yeah, and I uh, again, the the toys spoiled that for me because of the uh, the raider had come out.
0: Oh in the really? vintage
1: Line with the Klaatu pirate or bandit.
0: See, I maybe it's because I don't do three and three quarter that I missed that because I just wasn't paying attention. It's a nice toy, is it?
1: Yeah, it's beautifully done. The vintage collection vehicles are amazing, actually. Yeah.
0: Did you uh, did They're you put wonderful. a red light in it to give it that evil eyes looking look? No, no,
1: <laughs> I do have a little red LED in my six inch scale uh, Tie Fighter that I took a small mortgage out on my soul for.
0: I actually really appreciated that from a filmmaking perspective. How they took that, they illuminated that uh, with. They kept the armor plates open, and yes. it really did look like eyes. And that really made the ATST was no longer a vehicle; it was a character.
1: No, absolutely, and it it uh it worked. It, it moved like a like a Jurassic Park dinosaur, and you could yeah. feel like it emoted. It it like tried Str- to dip its toe in the water. It like you know.
2: Struck fear into the hearts of those it was going after. Yeah, oh, for sure.
0: It gave me this vibe, like, what if, you know, what would a Star Wars, uh, a horror sequence look like, you know, that was kind of the vibe I was getting out of it.
1: Yeah. And we got a really good scene, uh, which is atypical, uh, it's, it's more and more common now, but it's nice to see the woman takes charge. She's like, yeah, you know, she does the cowboy yeah, yeah. thing. Give me your rifle. I know what to do here. Yeah. And like, yeah, it was, that was, that was a great scene.
0: Well, I mean, you have that whole sequence where you know they line up all the villagers when they decide that you know they're gonna they're just gonna keep coming unless you actually stand up and do something. And so what? That's they right. Doing? Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Cara, and you really do get to like she's a rebel shock trooper. Yeah, so, yeah. Right, like she's you know. And he rebel says that too, right? This is Cara of Dune. Storm
0: yeah, this is Cara Dune. She's a rebel shock trooper. She's gonna teach you. And it's like, oh, okay, that's awesome. Get the soldier yeah, yeah, to, yeah. to teach you know your your peasants how to. uh wield their farming implements, you know, per and se.
2: Again, another very magnificent seven ish yeah vibe.
0: Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So yeah, pretty cool episode. I think maybe that's the one where I'm like, you know, this is the only one that it was kind of filler for me. Like I liked it, but it was like, oh, you know, it was just a, a rest a rest stop for him. And
1: I think it sets up the idea that there can't be any rest stops. So they yeah it's, maybe it's, it's, um you get to breathe for a sec
0: to, yeah to
1: realize that they can't ever breathe
0: no you're I think especially you're right with on the that.
1: assassin when the assassin shows up in that scene where you think oh did he just pick the kid off because of the way they shot it
0: yeah yeah yeah
1: and and Caradine happens to be the rescuer the you know the hero of the day there too that I think it sets up the idea that there is no rest that if he doesn't leave the child here and if he goes off on his own that this this is life now. And like yeah. you said, this and, and it can work uh, as far as a story goes like that. I'll, I would totally accept 10 seasons of watching him run around with the child and never, never learn a damn thing. About yeah.
0: Him. I, I would totally be, it's, that'd be pure eye candy for me. And I, I could, I could live on that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that kind of, you know, once we resolve the idea of the, um, the bandits, I guess our story kind of gets back on track and then there's that, you know, again, another judgment call. Like you say, you could just stay here and uh, he makes the decision. And I think maybe on some level he was ready to make that decision, but then another bounty hunter shows up and, you know, Kara is able to...
1: I did feel like that was a heavy influence on his decision there. That, yeah. Like, yeah. You know, there is no rest for the
0: way. Yeah, exactly. And so with that, you know, reminder that I'll, I'll never be... You know, until this is over, over, nowhere that I go is going to be immune to the shit that I bring with it. That's right. So there's that decision to leave. And so
1: wanting to protect the child is so genuine.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. At the expense of maybe having a slice of his own happiness. Hey, there's lots more to talk about. So join us next time as Fandom Power presents the Fandalorian Season 1 Recap Part 2.
1: Hey guys, thanks for listening to Fandom Power. Be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Stay tuned for our next episode where we'll be talking about another one of your favorite fandoms. Fandom Power is a Sawcast production.
0: Sawcast Productions can distribute it too. Contact us online today. So, what do you want to say?